I'm sitting here in my own house, minding my own Welcome to High Camp, the podcast where I try to watch all 406 movies from an out-of-print film guide before I die. I'm your host, Brian Rucker. And I have a very special guest here today talking about a uh, very special movie. He is an author, a storyteller, David Crabb. Hi. How's it going? It's going good. It's going better now that I've watched this movie again. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So we're going to talk about one of probably one of the most like popular and iconic movies listed in these high camp books. Like so many of them are obscure. And this one has such a cultural imprint. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. You have some personal experiences and stories about it. Uh, I'll just tell you right off the bat, I don't like this movie. <gasps> okay, okay. So yeah. this is interesting. So I watched it again thinking that I was going to feel like lukewarm about it. Okay. Uh, and I actually went the opposite way. Oh, wow. You made you... It, I think it's... Um, I think it's a movie that's actually better or more resonant now than it was like 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 25. Interesting. We'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get into it because I, I, this is like, I had seen, well, yeah, we'll talk in more detail, but I, I had seen it like in high school. I've, I've never been yeah. to an actual screening of it. Yeah, so but, I, think, okay. I right. think that's probably maybe one of the reasons why it doesn't like connect mm-hmm. with me very much. And I remember like, yeah, people liking it and telling me to see it and I saw it a couple times then and I probably hadn't seen it in you know 20 years and I don't know what but, can I ask like what what kind of kid were you in high school well like, I was like I was like a drama kid okay but I was also I think sort of like a burgeoning film snob a little bit okay like okay. I was getting really at this point like I was getting really into like David Lynch and like mm-hmm. John Waters and well, so, that sounds like the right recipe to I, like Rocky Horror, at least in school. Did you like it when you saw it in school? Because you saw it. I saw it. Well, I saw it like with friends right. while I was in high school. I, I I didn't. I don't. I don't know. It just always seemed sort of like square to me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like a little, just like a little cheesy. And like, would you like musicals? I, I like some musicals. You do, yeah, uh, I, I don't like a, okay. most musicals, so I feel like. I mean, this movie falls into so many weird brackets where if you don't like a thing, I don't think you'll like it. Yeah. Um, uh, see, for me, so I was, I mean, the reason this movie is so close to my heart is because, well, when I was like a kid, I like a sophomore, I became like a goth kid. And okay, all my yeah. friends were goths. And that's what a good goth in San Antonio, Texas in like the mid-90s did is you went to Northern Northwest 14 every Friday night at midnight and you watched Rocky Horror Picture Show. And um, I was not like nuts about I mean for me it was actually too up a movie like mm-hmm. I mean I was like dead set on let's just replay where's let's listen to unknown pleasures and disintegration oh. on repeat and maybe if you want to play something cheerful like the Smiths we'll listen to that like that was my yeah, level of like cheerf- where the Smiths yeah. were cheerful okay, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I I kind of feel like when I saw it and I actually don't like musicals like I, mm. I, I don't like um I like some musicals when the context is the performance. Like Hedwig, to me, justifies, uh, justifies, just yeah, what the hell justifies. that? It justifies because the context is, oh, it's a performance. But when yeah. people are just like, I broke a plate. Like, I just don't, I've never liked that. Yeah. So and, like the like the diegetic use of movie music yes. in movies. And to me, Rocky Horror does a weird thing that I only noticed watching it this time where it kind of justifies it because it's like, 
the the way that some of the characters respond to being sung at is like, what is this alien other experience you're putting me through right now? Like, uh-huh. it's almost like the music I feel like comes at them like a sort of alien attack. Yeah, well, sort of like if you're a viewer and you're not used to seeing musicals or people breaking into song, you would have the reaction that Brad and Janet have when they're yes. seeing all these crazy people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I get that. All right, so before let's. We really got into it quickly before we get into more details. Uh, is there anything just in general that you're watching lately that you really like, like TV or movies uh, that you want to recommend? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I just finished uh, Euphoria last night. Oh, cool. Okay. And I think, are you watching Euphoria? I just, I've watched two episodes so far. And after the f- pilot, I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to watch this. And then uh, I just watched the second episode a couple days ago. And now I'm like all in. Exactly yeah. the same thing happened okay, to me. Yeah. The pilot felt... So, like, Euphoria, well, it's funny because the book, okay, so the, I wrote a memoir called Bad Kid about my guy years yes. as a high school student doing drugs and being closeted and coming out and all that. And even some of the chapters in the book are named after songs from Rocky Horror. Oh, cool. There's lots of references to Rocky Horror, going to see it. And, you know, what's funny about Euphoria is, for me, it's like, it's like teen drama mixed, like, with train spotting, took a shit all mm-hmm. over, which is my jam, like, yeah, sign yeah. me up. Like, it's so uh, it's so abstracted in so many ways that I really adore. Um, but the thing is, uh, is that when I was, like, three years ago when my book came out, I had a few, like, meetings, because I wrote a pilot, and we were like, you sure, know, you do yeah. the thing when your book comes out. A pilot based on your book? Yeah, yeah, well, but... yeah. And the thing that I got in all the rooms was like, oh, I mean, love this, but there's just really no, people just don't want high schoolers on drugs having, oh, like, heavy. Funny. So whenever I watch euphoria it's obviously close to my heart just because the content is so kind of a now version yeah. of what me and a lot of my friends were like oh wow in so, the you, 90s. so you related to these kids yeah because and well now's a good time to like take some more meetings and try to get that pilot i know Maybe right to... well the weird thing was when i watched the pilot my husband jack was like what he was so surprised and i said i have this feeling about it and i'm ashamed to express it and he's like well what and i said i feel like a if I was a parent who had a teenager, I wouldn't want them watching this because I get and process the rom- the romanticizing of the drug use totally. and the drama and the darkness, but it's very sexily rendered. Like I can imagine being, if I was 16 before it came out, I'd be like, I want to have all of those experiences. Oh, me too. I want to know a hot drug dealer that I might get killed in his house. Yeah. I want to, you know what I mean? It's. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if there's a way to depict like teenagers on drugs that is not at in some sense glamorized. I think yeah. like ki- like yeah. kids came out when I was a freshman in oh, high school, yeah. and um, I saw I didn't see it in the theaters, but I probably saw it like a year or two after. It Where came were you out, living? Uh, in the Bay Area, okay. sort of like cool. suburban East mm-hmm. Bay. Um, so it was I you know I would go and hang out in the city or whatever in San Francisco, but like that experience was definitely not my teenage experience. Right. But and that movie I think was criticized at the time for sort of glamorizing. Uh, drug use and all that stuff, but comparatively to Euphoria, it was it was like a cautionary tale. Like you've, yeah. I mean, and I, I've only seen two episodes of Euphoria, but yeah, I could see if you're a parent. I, I don't know how you would protect your kids because all yeah, all like pop culture, even about drugs, even if it's supposed to be like not glamorizing it because it is like uh, forbidden. I think yeah. there are some kids like I'm. Both of us have had you know years of experience like experimenting with with drugs be, i mean in part because of um of the pop culture depiction of them and i don't know yeah. that there's a way to get around that really because there's some yeah. things that are just always going to be curious yeah i mean well i mean i feel like that's a part of 
like when I when I wrote my book at the beginning in the forward, I'm like, you know, I feel like you you use drugs at an age, and you're either like, eh, it was okay, or you're like, I didn't really like it, but my friends are doing it, it's cool. Or the first time you do it, you're like, ah, this is what I'm supposed this to do. This is a profound And it's in your genetics. Yeah. There's, not, there's no way around it. I am, you know, some of the people I wrote about my book that were friends, like, I don't know where they went. Well, mm-hmm. some of them died. Yeah. Or who knows, right? Some of them are also, they have families and they're sure. in Texas and they're, they had the PTA. Like, but like, that's one of those things where like, I don't think that for having those experiences, I'm any better and worse. I'm just not built that way. Luckily. You know what I mean? Like my body eventually, like. Because in college, I would do X all the time. Yeah. And after like the third week in a row, my body's like, we're going to make you so sick and unable to function that you... And then I'm just like, oh, I could never become... Yeah, someone who, who's who's constantly getting high. I, yeah. I, I feel sort of the same way. Like, I there's certain t- times that I took different drugs where I, I did feel like I had like a profound positive experience. And then oh, yeah. you, you sort of keep, you know, chasing that with, with E, what we call the E in my day. <laughs> yeah. I, we called it X. We called it X yeah. before it was E and then use Molly. Molly yeah. 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 And, uh, I mean with that, else. with, you know, pills and, 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 yeah. and we did a lot of Coke in, in college. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. and so certain, certain, certain drugs. Yeah. will always like hold, some sort of a place, place in, in my heart, no, but I, I, and then, but then when you age, I mean, unless I guess you know, some people are genetically predisposed, right. predisposed to becoming addicts. Yeah. But eventually, most people, I think, your body's just like, oh, this is the the like the hangover is worse than the high, so you just sort of stop doing it as much. Yeah, there's almost like a, a weird dark irony in that. In that, you know, some people. I mean, not to say that there aren't plenty of people that have unfortunate experiences the first time they For do sure. something and OD, but you know, so many people end up ODing, and the irony there is that like they're kind of built to sustain their body's getting weathered by that for that long. Like yeah. it's amazing they can last that long. And because you know, your body you know? does get used to it. Like yeah. with any, with, you know, with any, like with alcohol, with whatever, yeah. like your, yeah, your, your tolerance gets lower. I will say that. So I'm excited that you have like six episodes of before to go. I will yeah. say that it literally episode by episode, you feel it lean on in a positive way, issues of family and okay. friendship and sobriety. Like you, I feel like it was almost engineered that show to do some of the things that maybe I felt a little weird about. Mm-hmm. Like, Ooh, that's a very sec. That's the point. Like, I think if I was a teenager and I started watching that and I saw the pilot, I might be like, this is dangerous and yeah. dirty. And then there's like some scary shit mid season. And then by the end, you're like, you just need your family, oh, you know? Yeah. So it's, 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 it's put together well. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm really interested in uh, continuing to watch it because, yeah, I, I don't know. For me, like drug narratives never really get old. Like I love, yeah. I love reading memoirs of like addiction memoirs or whatever. Yeah. Like I just I love that stuff. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the other thing I've been watching on HBO is um, Los Spookies. Have you seen that yet? I saw like a part of the pilot, like. I was leaving the house, whatever, okay. and I it was not the vibe I expected, and now I want to watch it. Yeah, yeah, keep because the this was similarly to Euphoria, like the first episode, and I liked it, but I was like, eh, I don't know what where this is going, and there's you know an extra uh, barrier just because most of it is in Spanish, so you have to really pay attention if you if you don't speak Spanish, read the read the subtitles, yeah. but um, it is so weird. Their comedic voice is so unlike anything I've ever seen, and yeah. so. Uh, it's like influenced by weird like fairy tale logic. And mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of, a lot of um, like Latin American culture that I, that the references yeah. are going over my head. Yeah. Um, and then also this super queer sensibility. Oh really? Uh, oh yeah. Cause okay. the, the um, head writer 
Julio Torres, well, he and another woman on the show are actors on it, but they wrote it together. And he wrote on SNL for um, a few years. And he's like a oh, young gay it. guy. Yeah, um, and that's come at me a few times. Um, someone, a show that I, one of my favorite shows of the year so far uh, was uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. Uh, have you seen it? No, I saw the movie when it came out, but I haven't seen the, the yeah, series. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to say. It's brilliant. <laughs> uh, and someone, a friend of mine that knew that I loved that was like, oh, you should watch this HBO show. Okay, Because cool. I think it has some similar, like, sort of eking, like, comedy out of ooh, yes, darkness. Yes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a former goth, yada, yada. Totally. Really on the theme, just drugs yeah. and gothry here. Uh, yeah, I was never a goth. I, like, was sort of friends with the... I mean, there, there wasn't, like, a big goth contingent in my high school. Yeah. But there were, like, sort of, like, witchy friends who, <laughs> you know, knew about tarot cards and, Wait, like... you mean women in Silver Lake? Uh, no, no they, yeah, yeah, I could. I mean, they probably live exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was like, yeah, suburban, oh. witchy, and um, I was always very intrigued by the people that like were ballsy enough to wear, you know, all black to high to high yeah. school. I would, yeah, yeah. I would just try to blend in as much as possible and not like call attention to myself. But um, so, so you, so this is is really struck me when you. I love that you brought up kids because uh, kids is one of those movies. I don't know if you felt this way. Kids is actually one of those. I mean, it's it is a cautionary tale, but for all the ways that the ending of that movie is so terrible and heartbreaking, yeah. that was the first movie. I mean, I was in like freshman year of college, and I was like, oh, I have to move to the city. Oh, I mean, I remember I saw it and I was like, oh, I, I want to be, I want to get lost. I want to yeah. be like a journeyer. I want to like, like that movie. Another for example, sure. especially like 19, East Village. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I think that was for me too. I had like a like the um, very sort of grungy aesthetic of kids and uh i don't know if you know john waters is pecker yeah that movie just about like being an yeah. artist in the city mm-hmm. but then also felicity came out like my junior year of oh, high school yeah. and that was like a thing too so it was, yeah. like, i was i was like into the like the grittiness but also just sort of like the the fun glamour of like moving to new york is there a podcast about like new york as a character in like tv shows and films because there should be there, yeah, there totally should be because there's so be. there's so many versions. You get everything from you know Sex in the City to That's Sid and Nancy, thing, yeah. like yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and yeah, exactly, yeah. Like in everything, I remember I saw Party Girl with Parker Posey. Oh, that's a, yeah. And I remember watching that and being like, well, duh. I mean, totally. I have that's to me, that's, yeah. <laughs> I gotta go, you know? I wanted to be, like, a librarian because of that movie. <laughs> yeah, but also, like, hang out with Delight sometimes. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Who's now, like, a Trump supporter, apparently. Who? The, the, the lead singer of Delight. Lady Miss Kier? Yeah. She, I, I heard there are rumors. It's been unsubstantiated. I heard she had kind of a tough time after okay, Delight went I under for that. a while. I think she kind of had that redemptive Phoenix from the Flames moment. And I've known a lot of people in life that have those, and they come up on that side Conservative, of things. Conservative, totally. I don't know what it is that happens. Um, it's God or control or Yeah, you like feel morality. like you, you, you pulled yourself. You who you were. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And but, like you, yeah. pull, you pulled yourself up by the bootstraps you feel like everyone should yeah, there's a real there's like a few i mean okay so growing up in texas there's a few like guys i knew who were gay well they are still gay but you know we would go clubbing together and they got really involved in like whatever drugs and they you know there was some like near misses with them and yeah. just life in general and da, 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 da. and a few of them now like two or three are like super right-wing christian dudes who they're not closeted it's, it's not like they've gone back wow. in they're still like they're still gay and open, but they post like, well, I don't really, after the, 2017 was like sort of cutting back, trimming the fat from uh-huh. life, so yeah, I don't know what too. they post now, yeah. but I remember one of the gayest, most, cray, just most fabulous, queenie, drug-loving, dick-loving guys I knew posted this thing of, it was a painting of 
Uncle Sam in full Uncle Sam like stars and stripes top hat regalia at the knees of crucified Jesus praying like weeping looking up at him and I remember when I saw him post it I was like oh he's still into camp yeah. <laughs> like like I mean not to but really I was yeah. like what this is so funny and I, I I hadn't really kept up with him I hadn't seen this evolution I guess you if you want to call it that and he was like, what are you talking about? And that was like the beginning of like, we were friends online for like wow. two more weeks, but had these crazy fights. And I think it's that thing where it's like, I saw, you know, I, I had my own, you know, rumspringa. Yeah. And I'm back from that shit. And that shit is evil. It's kind of like the genetic thing with drugs. You know, it's like the way that just because you had a bad experience, maybe you're predisposed to it. Maybe mm-hmm. you can like, you're going to judge anyone who has any of those yeah. values you relate to that. Because I've seen like, people... Like on Facebook, ex like addicts um, who are the most judgmental about mm-hmm. about people who are struggling, um, but I guess that's yeah human nature to just sort of yeah not even addiction know. too like I mean you know he was also like uh, he was easygoing with the lads sure. and I get a feeling now he's even critical of that I bet because that yielded something bad for him but he's still you know? openly gay like mm-hmm. is he in a do you know if he has like a family or a relationship? No or? idea. No That's idea. So interesting. It's been like two years. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people that you just need to stop following on social media for your own mental health. I know. I've been uh, yeah trim, tr- trimming the herd. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, it is the longest running movie in history yeah, in it theaters. Is. It it is, it is. I guess never since it's well it opened originally in seventy five and then sort of re released in seventy six and be, yep. and became like a cult Which hit. Was then. So soon after, I had no idea it, it happened so soon. Yeah. By the way, the movie relates to literally everything we just talked about, which is very yeah. interesting. We'll unpack it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it it was only like a year later, and it was a theater I believe in New York. Uh huh. The Waverly. It, yeah. 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 Um, because there, yeah, there was an initial release in a few theaters. It didn't do well. Apparently it did okay at the Westwood here in LA. Um, and then it was re-released in the Waverly and almost immediately people started talking to the screen and then like it built up this, uh, this huge following and it's never like gone down since then. It's only grown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what? So let's like yeah, paint a picture of like the first time you had heard of Rocky Horror or went to see it. Like what what was going on? The, it was the fucking time warp, which is for okay. me the most overrated. I'm like I never want to hear the time warp again. Yeah, it's so like cheesy. I don't know, um, but it's the thing that like all the cool girls who wear dog collars and black mm. lipstick and put like talcum powder on their fucking face for foundation yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Like that's the thing that those girls you'd catch them in the hallway surrounded by all like the jocks and the kickers and the preps like. being crazy doing the time warp dance and you know you sort of find out everyone's going to see this thing and I remember my friend Glenn and I were taken I believe by my friends Ducky and Devin and we went and uh, saw Rocky Horror at the theater so my first time seeing it was at the theater not Mm -hmm. at home in that experience and I think I was I mean I was a very adventurous kid around like um drugs and bad behavior but mm-hmm. I was always kind of an old man and still am in the sense that I don't like a crowd mm. I don't want to go to a water park or Six Flags I don't like even like music festivals like going to the lot I went to Lollapalooza like four times in a row I was like ah I need yeah. Madville these kids when I was like 16 um I this is weird because you talked about not liking the movie because maybe you weren't a part of that that to me is my least favorite part. Interesting. The popcorn throwing, the yelling at the screen, the pulling the virgin up there. Da da da. Like I, I never. I was like, oh, I'll do this. I actually like a lot of the songs, and like I love a lot of the performances too, especially yeah. Tim Curry. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. 
he is he's great. Tim Curry is Dr. Frankenfurter. I mean, every I don't think we need to like synopsize Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. I imagine. I mean, then there's not much yeah. plot to speak of. But yeah, it's Tim Curry as Frankenfurter, and then Barry Bostwick and Susan Sarandon are this young couple who uh, get stranded on the way to visit their old teacher or something. Yes. And they get and they want to make a phone call in this old castle that they pass, and then they get trapped. Uh, <laughs> if you would, if you keep, if you just like, a, if you were to keep describing the play-by-play of the plot of this it's movie, so crazy. it starts to sound like it was an acid. I mean, well, there's a reason it was liked by so many like weirdos who did drugs. Or yeah, black. like it's an acid trip of a plot. Like it's like what You're doing what? It's like a trapdoor of absurdity under a trapdoor of absurdity. And it is very absurd. I guess I just I don't. First of all, I don't find it funny. Right. Like the. The jokes don't land for me as mm-hmm. jokes. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're silly. Yeah. And then I don't find it sexy really. Um, like Frankenfurter is like uh, a rapist, basically. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, a little bit. He, uh, Just a little. And the the so he he's he's creating this sexy like Frankenstein's monster guy called Rocky, who is this uh, blonde Adonis in like a gold speedo. Um, who, how old is the actor that was playing Rocky? You think when they, when they, sh- when, yeah, when they you shot know, it? He oh, seems very. I think he's in his late twenties. Okay. Maybe it's like the, the blonde hair or the, the wig. I don't know if it's a wig or his real hair. Right. He just seemed, and maybe it's cause it's like, I saw it on HD last night, right, right. but he seems like older than I would have expected. Yeah. Like he's like, he's like, his body is definitely oh, his like, body's a, like sick. a super ripped yeah. man's body, not like a uh, super ripped young, young man's body. No. He's not like 20 or 21. No, but his face, there's like crow's feet. Yeah. I feel like he was playing a young sort of twink, but he was a little bit older. He also, though, he reminds me a little bit of Rucker Hauer, who I feel mm-hmm. like is one of those faces that look like he was like handsome still, yeah. but like 45 when he was 25. Like Rucker Howard totally. in Blade Runner looks like you see the way that he would look like he had a man's face so i don't know um but i remember do you know that rocky and it's so funny cuz if you watch the movie they had to erase all the dialogue of that actor oh really cuz he was so just terrible um they That's knew that so they were going to have a, a different vocalist sing the song okay. but they had no idea that it would be so bad that oh like it would literally it's all adr like oh, oh yeah oh. well he barely like, says anything either yeah, yeah um and i noticed at that there's like a big sort of dance number at the end mm-hmm. and it his he's so bad at doing even oh, just like a simple terrible. kick line yeah uh it was very hilarious because I was like, oh, God, if I was asked to do this, this is what, how I would look up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the trivia about that movie is is really fun. I mean, one thing that I think is interesting about it is that it was actually like a super successful play. Yeah. It ran for like months in London. And, and it's the guy that plays Riff Raff, yeah. who's like the Igor sort of um, hunchbacky assistant character yeah. who's the, the man who... who he wrote everything, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah he yeah. wrote it. it. And, and, you know, and this goes back to your point about how it's just, like, silly. Like, the, yeah. where's the plot? He wrote it. Just He'd never written anything. He just was bored. He was an unemployed actor who wanted something to do, and he wrote this ridiculous show, mounted it. He wrote some of it on the fly with the actors, who, with the exception of Brad and Janet, were all the same. Okay. Uh, Brad and Janet were recast. So Tim Curry of, was in the original? In- uh, yeah. But... Uh, there was a few different things. One thing that I thought was really fun is that Meatloaf also played 
his own uncle who comes searching for him in the wheelchair. Oh. And Meatloaf almost left the production when he got there and found out that he wasn't playing both parts anymore. They'd given it to an actual older, different actor. That I, w- I agree. Been, yeah. I was in a teen production of Into the Woods and I was cast <laughs> as the narrator and not cast as yeah. the mysterious man because they needed Bullshit. to give more people a part. And I was like, fuck that. I still did it. But and, uh, We did a production of Into the Woods in my high school and I was uh, one of the two heads of the set design. I oh, okay. Did all the paintings and murals and yeah. Um, into the woods, man. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, but the the thing about the movie that so okay, the plot is just sort of just this ongoing like it's just sort of one reveal after another. It's an another absurd reveal that you, they don't necessarily feel linked. No. Yeah. Yeah. It almost seems like <clears throat> the songs might have been written before the scenes around them. Right. 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 To some extent, uh, and so and that's that is the one thing that I like totally. I, understand or see the songs are very catchy for the most part and they're like they're memorable songs right Right. um so i thought that was sort of the most successful part i mean the funny thing about the movie is it almost i mean it is a a mishmash of stuff the you know the camp elements of the movie are like obvious right almost so obvious they're grueling they're They're, like they're so self-conscious camp yeah Yeah, it's because like camp i mean there's different schools of camp uh, as far as like is this intentionally campy or is it is it unintentional? Is it just like not what the creators thought that they were putting out and that's right. what makes it camp? And this is so just blatant and like hitting you over the head, which I get like, especially for teenagers mm-hmm. uh, who are trying to find anything about sort of alternative sexuality or whatever. I could see how you would just totally yeah. relate to this, but it's like, it is so cartoonish. Yeah, well, I think that, and you know, I think that the, there's a thing, you know, all, all these teenagers love the movie, they go, all the goss, and I've always said, in all my experiences writing about goss and talking to people, that I think they're really misunderstood. To me, everyone's like, ooh, goth, spooky. They're the clowns of the alternative mm-hmm. groups. Like, I mean, I do think some of the funniest, most outrageous people I've ever known, some of the campus people I've ever known are goths, like goths I knew in high school and in college. And I feel like the the thing about Rocky Horror that appealed to them is that, you know, we talk about Rocky Horror like, oh, it's like so sexy. And it's about, you know, guys can, you know, he's making a, se- you know, a sex muscle guy and she's going to have sex with a woman and he's going to, you know, it's like, yeah. but it's all done in such a sort of, it's pretty, I don't want to say sanitized, but it's so childlike. Like the way it's represented in the movie is so, and, and even the, you know, the person that mainly started the talk back was a kindergarten teacher. Oh, really? Yes, the main person who, like, got everyone, like, into it and That's going so and starting. And I think that it, there's a childlike thing about yeah, it. Yeah, what, what, like, I got from it, it's, it seems like, to me, like, none of these people are actually having kinky sex, and right. it's like, they're maybe fascinated by it, but it is, it is like a, it's a very, like, virginal depiction of some of this mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it seems like a like, it's like a French noises off. It's like yeah. very much what Boop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, super farcy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, then the tent scene, you know, with the wig, where you know, where um, riffraff, uh, sorry, uh, Frankenfurter sneaks in like he's Brad in the dark. Oh and, yeah, and Susan Sarandon thinks it's Brad, like Brad, Janet, but you know, it's like yeah, that's a very ridiculous. French bedroom farce. And yeah. that, I mean, that is w- weird, and it's maybe like my, I don't know, the two hundred, like the two thousand nineteen of everything right now. But <laughs> I like literally seeing that scene. It, it is pl- obviously played for laughs, and it's very silly. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't help but be like, oh, he's like assaulting these people in their beds yeah yeah. it's like and that again it's i don't know what you know i i I don't think that this is like 
a movie that uh, cancel it. Yeah, no, yeah, we're, we're not canceling. It. No, no, but, but it was just, I was just like, oh wow, this is they're they're playing this for laughs. That I mean, a lot of like '80s teen movies also play. I think was it Pretty in Pink or uh, oh. Uh, Sixteen few, Candles. One, yeah. There's a few questionable John Hughes moments. I mean, we. Just, I just tried. To, I just watched um, a couple of the Indiana Jones movies again, oh. and those are almost like he's forcing her to. He's forcing her. He's throwing a whip around. You know what I mean? It's yeah. funny how all of these things now in this new yeah. era are like oh. And you can't help but like look at it sort of through that lens. But I also yeah. think yeah, people can't. Well, we're not going to talk about cancel culture, but like we need to take things. To some extent, for like the times that they were created, well, yeah, like we need well, to, uh, or we'll just never see anything again. People, and I mean, a lot of young people now, like you know, I, I yeah, teach you teach at college, I teach her to college, and there's a you know, and and you know, and, and you know, I hate when anyone makes these presumptive kind of. They're all this sure. way. Everyone who you know, because um, a lot of my students make jokes about their other peers of theirs who are like cancel it. We hate it, but you know, one thing that I think young people, and and maybe we had, we probably when we were there, each had the same thing with our parents' culture. For sure, is we don't we we don't think about intent. We don't think about like time and intent. Like, what was the culture this is a part of, and what was the intentionality mm-hmm. behind it. Um, so I think that that's like a, that's a tricky thing. And, you know, I do wonder, like, so I was actually, so when I started teaching this class, uh, I was teaching an autobiographical performance, so like storytelling oh, cool. and sort of solo performance and things. And at one point it was like a month in and uh, I had to rent the band to take them on a field trip because we were going to go see a story. We actually went to see John, John show. John oh, okay. Plains, My uh, husband, John Flynn, yeah. And, um, and we were, we were driving there and, you know, teaching them for an hour is one thing, but then being behind the wheel of a van where they're all behind you, like it, all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm nervous. Like, I hope they think I'm cool. Uh-huh. Like it felt really different. You, you can't know? help but think, I mean, teenagers they, still like freak me out. Oh, they were seeing yeah. me out in the world. And the, these are like 18 was the youngest, maybe okay. 20, 21 was the oldest. And I was driving at one point, I was like, oh God, like, what do I, you know, and I don't, and I'm not like an old, I'm 44, but I don't listen to like, I feel like I'm very aware of like current TV shows and yeah. films and music, but I suddenly felt like, oh, kids, you know? <laughs> and at one point, I was thinking, what can I talk to them about? And I was like, A Star is Born had just come okay. out. I was like, Lady Gaga, she traverses all the old, gay, young, For art, sure. theater student, whatever. And I said, so did y'all like A Star is Born? A few people said things, it was quiet. And then finally, someone in the back said, I'm sorry, David, but I mean, you know that movie's basically about a really rich, misogynistic millionaire who basically follows and tortures a woman until he forces her to go with him. And I was like, well, that's, well, he kind of does make her <laughs> chauffeur. Like, and it was so funny to have, like, kids point that out. And now, I mean, I don't think that we have to cancel A Star is Born. No. Well, that's an interesting yeah. insight. I mean, and it's not like, wrong. Yeah. Like, in that, it's like, what... What is the emphasis when you see it? Like, is right. you know, ninety percent of the people that would watch that movie wouldn't think twice about it. Right, right, but then you, all yeah. th- that is there, and I mean, Starsborn is also a weird example because the story is almost like a hundred years old at this mm-hmm. point, and they've kept mm-hmm. redoing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I, I think yeah, like you can't blanket all kids with yeah. with that sort of cancel culture thing. because yeah. people yeah, there's always going to be people like that. But it's interesting. And, like think think of the themes that work in Rocky Horror, right? Like the thing that makes it, you know, well, it's, it is such a light farcical thing. Like yeah. imagine Rocky Horror reimagined the exact same story, but it's like a horror film, which is a pretty easy thing to do. For sure. It would be terrifying. It would be like some kind of sex monster. Yeah. Like shifting rapist. Totally. You know? Locking you up, um, <laughs> forcing you to have sex with them. And, but the thing is, yeah, with this movie, and it, it is so light because 
obviously the characters of Brad and Janet are, you know, waiting to, to experiment. They're, right, right. they're just, you know, there's just, and it is, it, it, the weird thing is like, it also is that I think young gay, maybe closeted fantasy. I don't know if you had this, but I sure did. Like when you're a teenager and you have a crush on a straight guy mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, if there's just one thing I could do, like I could, you know, I could seduce them or I could change them. Had it? And you it, mean past tense? This yeah, stopped yeah, for you? I guess no, it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is that weird, like, yeah, fantasy, which is not wrong to have, but also if you if you take it too far, it can veer into something that is is not cool to do to yeah. someone else. Well, I mean, that's I think that's one of the reasons. You know, I was watching the movie again, and you know. It's almost like I feel like there's a lot of fluff and you like the fluff depending on how much you like the actor, the performance, the scene. I love the scene. Um, I love the scene with Meatloaf and his number on the motorcycle yeah, right he, before he gets just because he's such a powerhouse. There's some fun staging. Some fun stuff happens, right? I like um, uh, touch, touch Me just because it's so silly. The song, touch it, touch it. Just watching mm-hmm. Susan Sarandon like moan. They do some cool editing with all their faces in ecstasy, right? Yeah. So there's those things you like in the middle that almost feel like music videos that are barely connected. However, I feel like the whole movie is kind of bookended in the most interesting parts, which are a couple who is coming out of a friend's wedding in Mm -hmm. this very traditional... The place is called Denton, which is rumored to be in Texas, even though some people argue, because the director, someone from it was from Denton, Texas. Okay. Um, Oh, it's interesting that, yeah, it takes place in America. I imagine the original stage production would have taken place in 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 Great Britain, England, yeah. yeah. So, you know, so they're coming out of this wedding, you know, with... And this is one of those, like... I mean, I'm, I married my husband three years ago, and we were together 10 years before that, just thinking, well, we're never going to get married. Yeah. I was like, I guess. Versus, like, a straight person is that whole thing that straight people tell me about that I just, I didn't grow up in, so I didn't know. Where like, even as, like, a little child, because, you know, I had an idea I was gay at a pretty young yeah. age, right? I was like, well... I don't know what what the cards. Yeah, had you knew story even for me. you knew that like this was not going to be your life. Like when people right. were talking about right. marriage and kids. Yeah, yeah. Versus this idea when you're like a straight couple of an age, and you're in your early twenties, and you go to your friend's wedding, and then you're both charged with that. Ooh, yeah, we should we're going to do this. Yeah. Babies are coming for us and all that stuff. So it's interesting that the movie starts from this place where you know Brad and Janet have this. You know, they see their friends married, and then they decide they're going to like take that next step and then right when they make that sort of choice or have that connection sing that song tire breaks down they end up in this like no man's land and then you know so they have all this you know they're tempted in all these different ways and then the crazy reveals happen where it turns out not only are they just not only are they weird ghouls they're fucking aliens and yeah that's crazy they're aliens that came from outer space blah blah but then there's the last like 15 minutes that i think of that are so cool that remind me so much of now Mm -hmm. because i feel like there's this weird thing where it's like so the whole time you think that, you know, uh, uh, Frank and Riff Raff and Magenta and Columbia, they're kind of all on the same team. And there's this great reveal after Frankenfur Frank finally gets what he wants, which is kind of like a smeared makeup pool orgy and like girdles with Rocky and Brad and Janet, and they're all lustfully underwater. And then someone yells, hey, and they look, and it's like Riff Raff, the hunchback, and Magenta, the total nut job who like fucks a crow on a pillar in one part of the movie. I love Magenta's kind of my favorite. Okay. Um, all of a sudden, they're in these sleek, matching, like, mylar girdles. Totally, really cool yeah. Hair, and they've got laser guns. And it's almost like, oh, have they been, like, they've been, like, spies the whole time. And they basically tell Frank, like, your experiment went too far. Like, so we're pulling you pulling Yeah, you that's what I sort of didn't understand. So they're all, they're all aliens. Mm-hmm. And when they say that, is that because he was, uh, like, he went too far in, um, in like, making... 
making Rocky or, make, or trapping making Rocky, Brad and Janet? I think in all of it. In all of it, yeah. I feel like, I mean, we don't ever really get a clear idea of what the hell was it. What were they supposed to be doing there? We don't ever know why Riff Raff had a, a fake hump that he wore under a suit. When yeah. He came over, right? Lots of Yeah, I was thinking questions. like Frank and Fur like abducted Riff, or like Riff Raff was, and, and made him be his servant or something. But I wasn't sure what, if that... I, I got the feeling at the end that they were sent to Earth to observe, collect information, whatever. And and then they had to kind of follow their leaders, like perverse, like, you know, interest. And you get this whole, this, this feeling from the movie the whole time. Well, I guess this whole alien culture is all about, you know, exploring and sexuality yeah. and reaching out. Because they say they're and from the planet transsexual in the galaxy Transylvania or the other way whichever right so you get the idea from the start that they're all these like you know explorers but then there's this you know and then of course Brad and Janet are like the earthbound right wing moral Mm -hmm. you know majority whatever and it's funny because it's like there's these two these two halves right there's like the right and the left and then right at the end this like subset of the left comes out and is like it's almost like the moderate voice is there kind of okay. being like no 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 being refreshed and magenta yeah. yeah you've gone too crazy this isn't what we wanted you know and of course they're dressed alike all of a sudden they're like they're really like, sleek and yeah. yes <laughs> like, yeah but, you know in these costumes like telling him like you've explored too much you've created this human you've kidnapped these poor people everything that you've done is a mess and we're going back home and then my the favorite numbers of those are my favorite. Tim Curry singing I'm Going Home will yeah. make me cry if like the weather's right. I'm in my car <laughs> alone to this day. And then, of course, they tell him, well, surprise, your song was lovely, but we didn't say you were coming home. We we're going to execute you for your crimes here. And they execute him. Rocky <gasps> freaks out and tries to keep him away. They laser beam him. And in the end, they leave Brad and Janet in this, uh, and the, the uncle in like this fog. The house takes off like a huge rocket yeah. step, right? And then, for me, my favorite number is Superheroes, which is like, cut out of a lot of the versions of the movie because I think it's a downer. Like, you have uh-huh. to go see it at certain theaters to see it. Wait, yeah, I don't think that I saw it. It's this beautiful... It's like, at the end? It's at the end, and it's basically them in girdles, all burnt and tragically fucked up looking in, like, the sort of burning mire of where oh, the wow. house was. And they sing this... It's this. It's the darkest song, and I just... These are the lyrics. I'll do it very quickly. Yeah, yeah, no. Because to me, it speaks so much to this idea of what the whole movie is kind of about. Brandon not executed perfectly, but this idea of like exploration and daring and uh-huh. like, when is it too far? But the lyrics are, I've done a lot. God knows I've tried to find the truth. I've even lied, but all I know is down inside I'm bleeding. And superheroes, they come to feast to taste the flesh not yet deceased. And all I know is still the beast is feeding and crawling on the planet's face. Some insects called the human race lost in time and lost in space and meaning. And like, to me, those are the most like, for that movie, they're the it's like the weirdest dark like that's the ending. Yeah, like, it's I so get why existential. Someone, yeah, like and I get why someone removed it, but for me it's like actually a number that gives a lot of the preceding nonsense some kind of like weight. Yeah. I, I wish that I had seen that because I, I just rented it on I think Amazon Prime and I'm pretty sure that they didn't include they that. Yeah. I was pissed. Like I was watching it last night. I was like, oh, what the fuck? Credits? And I forget. I forgot that they yeah. do that sometimes. Oh, that, yeah. That that would put like I don't know. That would put stuff in context more and and sort of tell you like the the themes that they were trying to explore. Yeah. When so much of the movie does seem like a, a mishmash. It um, is, and it also made me think a lot about like you know. I mean, not to you know. I've been watching the Democratic 
you know, prime, oh my God, primaries. Yeah. And, you know, there's this horrible, you know, not to, I know that you might want these to be evergreen, but, you know, the shootings just happened when we're recording this and Donald Trump finally said, you know, there's all this, like, nonsense happening in the world. And I couldn't help but watch the movie in, through that lens. Yeah, of course. In this division at the end and think about, like, oh, well, who are they? It's kind of like the right and the left, you know. Huh. Um, like, this was maybe a year and a half ago when, you know, I was out. My husband and I and our dog had just found out that we we lived that we lived in a little efficiency apartment in uh, Sunset Junction. We just got this two-bedroom house. We were going to sublet it. We were so happy. And we were sitting having drinks when I got into this weirdest thing this day where I got this Facebook message from this, like, crazy guy with a scar on his face, and he was basically sending me pictures of, like, like army issue knives and guns mm. with these terrible notes about I wish I could show you these and it was really fucked up and it was one of those like Facebook algorithm things where like I probably know someone in Texas that knows the guy and I posted a thing about Clinton and he did a search and was just going oh, crazy yeah. and as I was reading these messages from him I started to get these other messages from a woman who was really mad that I had posted this thing about um, a TV show that I didn't like the direction of and one of the actors on it was trans. Uh-huh. And she was basically saying, like, you're transphobic, you're hateful, you're da-da-da-da-da, you're a bigot. And I remember I had this moment where I was really like, okay, this is a weird part of culture that we're in right now, that at the same time right now, I'm having a fight with, like, a vet with PTSD and all these issues who's violently, like, sending me pictures of knives and guns, probably from somewhere in the South, and this super progressive liberal woman who thinks that I'm transphobic and is trying to defend and support the rights of LGBTQ and trans people. And, you know, you watch any movie or TV show or hear any song and you make what you want of it. But last night when I saw that part of the movie, I was like, it really reminded me, it took me back to that space, which I think a lot of people feel like they're in that space now. Everyone's triggered or we're talking about cancel culture. Yeah. And like, oh, who do, who do I not offend? And I felt like the end of the movie had this weird resonance now with like Riff Raff and Magenta being like, nope. We're leaving this place. You're both fucked up. Wow, yeah. You're like you're like boring, super traditional family value people. We have no interest in you. You're not our kind. You're not from our planet or galaxy. You have run too far the other direction. You're creating these things. You're kidnapping people. You're basically a sex fiend and we don't want you either. And I was it was a weird Yeah, it just made me think of that. That's that's interesting. I mean, yeah, it's like you you can't help but uh, watch any movie in the context of like what you're mm. you're feeling then. But yeah. Um, yeah, maybe that's why. I mean, it's resonated with so many people as you can put whatever the, the contemporary political context is. Yeah. On it, and I, yeah, I yeah. think that's that's like not a, a new thing to feel like you're trapped in the middle of two extremes. But right. at this point in culture, it's it's gotten so crazy and. Oops. Yeah, I don't think we've we've processed what's going on yet. Oh, no, we haven't. And even then, you know, I had that thought last night where I sort of played out the characters. I was playing out the characters that way, and I thought, well, actually, you know, Riff Raff and Columbia are the ones stepping forward to say, hey, we're not interested in this merging of these cultures and being a part of what these people have to offer. And then I was like, oh, well, actually, no, I read this, I read this whole sort of three-party thing wrong. Like, mm. uh, you know, sure, Frank had some crazy ideas and took advantage of some people, but hey, he just wants to party. He wants to have a film Earthlings and some translation, you know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that whole thing, like, twisted, you know. So you can, like, play out that sort of symbolism any way you want. But I, I do think it's the most interesting part of the movie for yeah. me is that 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 sort of factioning at the end the yeah the turn because you, you yeah like you said you you think that they're all on the same side and then it's like no you did go too far when 
the whole time you, I think you're the people that are watching it for the most part, I think are trying to relate to Frankenfurter yeah. or being like, Oh, this, this guy knows, you know, there's no boundaries. He's, he's like living his truth. He's like doing what he wants right, right. to do without the like conventions of society. And then at the end being like, no, we, we need some, we need some boundaries yeah. or like, yeah. Well, even, well, even, I mean, well, the whole thing, there's so many, I mean, the whole movie is kind of like an Icarus journey for everyone. Mm. Like even Brad and Janet go into this movie that's regarded by all of these, like, you know, by goth teens all over the nation. And he was like, oh, this fun movie. Like even Brad and Janet come out like all fucked up. Yeah. And they got sexually taken advantage of and they're like soaking wet after seeing people get lasered to death. Like, yeah, they're just sort of like lying on the ground. Yeah, the and, and when you see the full version again, this thing where they're yeah. crawling through the mud singing this song, you know. So it has like, I mean, it has a very unexpected the ending to me is a really unexpected thing. It's like no one gets what they want. And even the people who are in control at the end are like, fuck this place. Yeah. We're leaving. Yeah. It is like a nihilistic ending, yeah. which makes me appreciate the movie more because it's so like <laughs> cartoonish for most of it. Find superheroes. Find when you can sometime on YouTube. Watch oh, the final. I'm yeah. Sure I I'm going to do that today. I want to yeah. see it. Um, that's weird that it's not included in the like streaming version. Um, so wait, before we go on, I want mm -hmm. to read what Paul Rowan says about Rocky Horror. So uh, if this is the first episode of High Camp you've listened to, you might not know um, all the movies that I talk about on this podcast are from a 1990s gay movie guide written by an amateur film critic and professional <coughs> librarian in Duluth, Minnesota, who literally wrote 400 <laughs> movie reviews by himself. Uh, from all, all types of movies and just like decided what the gay camp canon was. Um, and he has a very hot take on Rocky Horror, which is interesting. Uh, he says, a lot of films attempt to be serious and wind up being camp. Such developments are invariably disappointing to the movie makers involved. However, can anything be sadder than a film that deliberately sets out to be camp and fails? The Rocky Horror Picture Show, a rock musical that's become a major cult film, has little to offer aside from Tim Curry's portrayal of Dr. Frankenfurter, a bisexual transvestite from the planet transsexual in the galaxy of Transylvania. With every squaring of his shoulders, toss of his head, arch of his brow, flare of his nostrils, curl of his lip, etc., etc., he etches and delineates an elaborate, meticulously detailed homage to Joan Crawford, despite the fact that he looks more like Faith Domerg, I don't know who that is, and has a British accent that's pure Hermione Gingold. The hero, the hero and heroine are Barry Bostwick and Susan Sarandon. They are cast as young Republican types whose idea of rock music is probably the Carpenters. Hmm. On their car radio, however, they listen to a speech by Richard Nixon. They fall like ripe fruit into the clutching hands of Dr. Frankenfurter. If you want something visual that's not too abysmal, he croons to them, we could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. Later, he seduces the both of them. Admit it, you liked it, didn't you? He tauntingly says to Barry after their first embrace. Though pleasantly decadent, uh, so though pleasingly decadent, the film falls flat both musically and dramatically. I've been told that there are people who have seen this movie literally hundreds of times. That saddens me. Think of all the vastly superior pictures that, in all likelihood, such people haven't even seen once. I mean, I, I, I agree with the bulk of the take, honestly. I mean, Tim Curry is the best thing about it. Yeah, he's the like the one person. Well, I don't know. Susan Sarandon, I guess, has like a sexiness to her mm -hmm. too. But um, yeah, Tim Curry has like an edge to him that, like, I, I you said, Magenta is your favorite <laughs> character. I feel like the the women who play Magenta and Columbia, I don't know anything about them, mm -hmm. but they just seem like nerdy theater kids to me. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, I don't know. They don't seem like. I don't know something about them. And then 
And then Barry, Barry Bostwick actually is very sexy in like yeah, an innocent way. Underwear, that's so his terrible. Under, you guys, if yeah, if you haven't seen it, just look at a picture of his. Un, they're like high waisted. They are the weirdest like I, white briefs I've ever I seen. I feel in my like life. they must have been spe- specially made, like because you know I'm sure that there could have been a prop master at that time that was like, hey, we need really conservative white underwear, oh, yeah. and it's like whatever year they made the movie. I've never so, seen any underwear like I, that. I, I've never. And the fly, like it's not a normal fly. The couch is very low, and yeah. I can't tell it. He either has a, a really hefty yeah. uh, penis and balls, or it's just there's the couch is put. It, there's something weird, or it's just like everything's like. Hoisted up. I think and it's forward. real because there's weird dimensionality and texture to his undercarriage. I guess I, l- I like to believe that he's just very hung. Yeah, <laughs> and, he's, and he's very. Uh, you know who really? So some casting stuff that was cool about mm. it. Steve Martin really wanted that role. Oh, he would have been great. Yeah. And Mick Jagger wanted and almost got Frank. Wow. And Tim Curry, they were like, no, he's just too good. He carried the show. I mean, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Brilliant. That I mean, it was probably sort of like a low budget movie, but if Mick Jagger was interested, it is crazy that they yeah. like went with. Tim Curry must have been a pretty much unknown at that point. Yeah, I mean, everything that Tim Curry does in that movie, just like he's so present and so, um, you know, watching him in that and then reading about it again and and remembering that it was a stage production, I was like, God, this must have been a really cool, to have been in like a small theater and like seeing him do that must have been amazing, yeah. Yeah, because it would have been so like unexpected. Just the costumes are before punk even really broke, this yeah. is like mid seventies. Yeah, it's hard to put yourself in like the aesthetic place of like what was yeah. groundbreaking at that time. Because yeah. now, I don't know. I, I look at it as being it just looks like sort of musical theater, like dinner theater to me a yeah. little bit. Well, it doesn't feel like it lives anywhere. Like you no. look at it, and I was like, what? What would I describe the design aesthetic? I, I don't know what I would say about it. Yeah. It's, so th- th- I guess the creator. Uh, is re- was really influenced by you know classic monster movies. Yeah. Uh, everything from I mean obviously Frankenstein and King Kong to right. like, like more B movies of the fifties and sixties. And I'm not fluent enough in that stuff to like see like I I get the Frankenstein references and I get the you know the RKO. Uh, yeah. ba- that I mean the last fifteen minutes are the most beautiful of the yeah, movie. Yeah. Just him climbing up the RKO uh, uh, tower and and the stuff the overhead shot in the pool is like yeah. a you know, yeah. Busby Berkeley or like Esther Williams thing. Yeah. So that stuff I get, but yeah, a lot of the, um, the like cheesy sort of mid century B science fiction stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't think I respond to cause I just don't know enough about it. Yeah. It's very, it's very, it feels very like everything in the kitchen sink. Like yeah. they just kind of threw a lot of stuff at it and the part that works, works great. And the parts that don't are just, Pointless. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Like what's the point of this? But, and the design, and to be fair, really was lower budget than. You, do you know? Do you remember the part in the movie? It's during a musical number when the uncle in the wheelchair he comes through a wall. Yeah. So in the theater was one of my favorite parts because everyone said Kool Aid. Like oh, when he did that. Oh. <laughs> do you know they had to write that in because the set builders just forgot to build a door. Oh my god! So in they the had room, a, and luckily they could tear. They through could it. tear so through they the just wall. Had him. So like. I mean, they really were working with it's. It's amazing that it actually has as much. Yeah, because it doesn't. It's not on. an incompetently made movie at all. No. Like, there's some beautiful shots, and it looks. I mean, it's. It doesn't look like Avatar or something, but it's like <laughs> it looks like a professionally made movie. The thing that the sort of the, the design of the castle that was funny to me was like everything was on a ramp, 
Like yeah. there, it's like all I guess because they had to use people in the wheel in a wheelchair. But like <laughs> yeah. it reminded me of the Guggenheim in New York. Yeah, it's like everything is just like going down a ramp, yeah. like multiple. Yeah. Oh, and so then funny. it makes me feel like that, was that a room they found? Because that seems like it would be really hard to build. I mean that that structurally supported a motorcycle yeah. and a wheelchair. I well, mean, I know it, they sh- they shot at uh, some real castle in. Yeah. But I don't know how much of that is like the interiors, or how much is just sort of the exterior of the castle. Like how much of the set they actually. The castle's had to build. a hotel now, and apparently oh, it's it's um a lot, most of the people, a lot of the people that stay there are like wanting to stay in the Rocky Hotel. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, like so, I don't know the the sort of audience participation, which you say is like not what makes you like the movie, really. but it must it, it it's weird that this is the movie that took off in that way and. I mean, there have been a lot of like cult movies since then, but there's been nothing that's taken off in the same way yeah. of, uh, I imagine it's a, it's a ritual now because it's people saying yeah. the same things every time, bringing the same props. Well, and it's sort of like this communal thing that people just do. Yeah. Well, my friend from high school who I actually went to Rocky Horror with a lot, like two years ago, I was home in San Antonio and he's like, do you want to go to Rock? We're going to go to Rocky Horror tonight. And I was like, okay. And I was really excited. And I had a good time because I was with him. Uh-huh. However... It did, like, replace some, like, I did, I realized something about myself being there. I mean, of course, it was with young, I mean, it was cool to see so many young people. Yeah, like, so wow, this it's is still, like, on. teenagers that are, yeah. yeah there were I, also yeah. some people my age, yeah. or, but there were still a lot of young people, but um, I, I kept sort of catching myself get very, like, get off my lawn, because <laughs> they were, like, talking at the wrong times. Oh. They were yelling over parts where there was a line coming up. Why did we remove the Kool-Aid? What is this new part? That's not, you know, I found myself actually getting, like, really perturbed huh. at, like, um, uh, like honor the game if okay. you're at the thing. But it, it must it must be like a game of telephone <laughs> where it is, like, slowly well, that changing. Was the cool thing. Well, that was the cool thing sitting there realizing, like, for all the ways that I was getting persnickety about, like, why aren't they saying this and what is this new edition? And that's a terrible joke. What kid wrote that? I also had to remind myself, wow, this is just, like, passed on. This yeah. is, like, when we talk about, like, Paris is burning and go all the way to, like, Drag Race and how amazing it is that that culture, like, retains a language. Yeah. It's, I mean, Rocky Horror is just, like, kids passing it on to kids to kids yeah, to yeah, kids. Yeah. Like, there's no, like, I mean, there is, well, there's Glee, which is a thing that I don't know. If I don't gonna, think I want to even mention Glee to. on this podcast. That's going to be a new rule <laughs> for High Camp. No mention of, of Glee. I mean, unfortunately, because of the things they pay homage to, there's lots of opportunities yeah, for oh guests to bring Glee up. But, like, you know, I mean, there aren't many opportunities. I know that they released, like, a special deluxe DVD edition a few years ago for the anniversary where you can actually push a button and hear the audience feedback huh. like they oh, recorded yeah, yeah, yeah. it probably you know the most like die hard one they recorded the audio so i guess you could argue that there are ways that like you know the youngins could l- pick up that without going but i don't think they do i think they get it from going they go yeah. with the older brother they go with the senior and they're a freshman they go with they must they just learn and yeah. i wonder there must be like regional differences too because mm-hmm. it's playing in so many different places mm-hmm. uh so yeah seeing it in san antonio would be yeah. different than seeing it in la or new york yeah uh so in that sense, I, I do have to once in my life go see a midnight screening of Rocky Horror. Let's do it. I'll do yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Jack's never. Jack has never been to one. Uh, we'll see if John. They do John's it still. I don't. I think John maybe has been to it before, but um, I think they still do it pretty much every Saturday in L.A. Yeah. At the Arrow, maybe it's some some theater on the yeah. west side. I think. Yeah. They, yeah. They do because I remember I saw it recently and thought, oh, no, okay, that would be fun. But then I went back to two years ago. I was like, would it be fun? Yeah. I would go. Be, I would yeah, go. It'd be fun. It'd once. be fun. Um, all right. Well, before we go, uh, I ask all my guests if there is a movie from 
maybe post-1994 when the High Camp books were written, if we were to write a third volume, uh, something to add to the High Camp canon. Do you have a nomination? Yeah, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, you said Nightmare on Elm Street 2? Two. Two. Okay. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 um, uh, is, and there's actually a documentary that's about to come out about it that these uh, gay horror film fan buffs have been making for oh, the last wow. few years, and it centers heavily on the lead because um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is really random for not only that series but any horror film series in that it was a final boy and not a final girl. Mm. So the lead protagonist who's really trying to evade Freddy in that movie versus hardly any others I can think of is, is male. Boy, yeah, that's very rare. And in the movie, he's a very clearly gay, and you know, the documentary is heavily about how the actor was gay, felt really tortured by having to keep that private and wow. try to enter the Hollywood industry as yeah, an actor. Yeah. And then he got cast in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which almost feels like it was written as an analogy. It's unlike any of the other Nightmare on Elm Streets. Have you seen it? I have uh, a long time. I've, I think I've seen pretty much all the Nightmare on Elm Streets at least once. But I, I, I remember I remember one and I remember three pretty clearly. Three is great. Uh, but I don't remember two as much. And So two, two is different in so many ways. Two, unlike the other movies where Freddy is going to come and get you in your dreams, mm. two is the only one where it's about Freddy trying to get inside a human body. Okay. Literally to put possess someone so there's this slightly fey boy with like sun and blonde hair um who who acts a little gay and he has all these lines the whole movie about like freddy's trying to get in me and he's inside me and he's so even like and even though that's just sort of like whatever it's a funny joke sure it's also like the content is it's interesting that it's a that it's freddy is somehow you know, Freddy wasn't on full uh, comedy mode no, yet. Like yeah. three is when that really started to take shape. Yeah, he was and still very five, It was yeah, like yeah. super. Like Roseanne was doing, you know, <laughs> cameos in it, and um, but like it, you know, in in two there was something really menacing about him wanting inside a body, mm-hmm. and there was something because so many of those horror films like Halloween and Friday Thirteenth are always these women in danger. There was something weird about him wanting like inside a boy, like yeah. he wanted inside this boy's body. Yeah, that's very queer, obviously. So, so it's a really weird entry in that, and um, and there are just so many. You know, it's already a little bit campy, but when you read it as like sort of a gay, like there's some gay imagery, symbology happening. And then when you also know a little bit of the backstory about the actor, it all feels, a lot of it feels very camp. Yeah. Very over the top. That's fascinating. I have 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 to rewatch that. It's so good. Uh, Because horror is a a genre that there haven't haven't been that many like overtly gay horror movies. And the ones, I I guess I've seen a couple and they're usually just like very bad and very, Like not camp, but campy in mm. like a, the most obvious way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I know I have like several gay friends who Nightmare on Elm Street is means a lot to them. Just yeah. that series in general, and I yeah. think Freddy Krueger is because his origin story is like a, a child molester. Yeah, he's a murderous. Yeah, murder, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's like a weird. But he, I mean, I wouldn't say that he's like sexy, but it is that that like. That thing of yeah, someone coming at night and and like kidnapping you or or making you do horrible things, and that's like the, yeah. a very just real raw like fear that kids have. Yeah, and I know this is a weird thing to say, but I mean, as far as killers in those movies goes, Freddie actually cared about mm. his victims because he had to know their narrative. Like, oh, yeah. that's Jason like a very abuser thing. Michael Myers would just come and stab you, right? And Freddie, like especially by like three Dream Warriors, like 
Freddie had to know, like, what's his in? Like, I remember feeling so, in three, there's the girl who's a recovering heroin addict. Yeah. The, and there's that terrifying scene where she's kicking his ass because she takes her punk rock ideal form, and then she looks, and all of her track marks in her arms are like these little mouths. Mm. And then she looks at Freddie, and his fingers become hypodermic needles. And I remember watching the theater, three's my favorite of all of them, and being like, is this real? Like, can they do this? And I thought that that's like the thing about Freddie. Of course, he made like he had clever quips and you know, and he was terrifying. But he actually like he wasn't just like a shape or no, like I'm just gonna yeah. kill you. Like he needed to know like what was going on inside your head to get at you. And I think maybe there's something queer, especially about the way he taunts the boy who he's trying to get inside yeah. of him too. That also felt very like, yeah, yeah, creep, Creepsville. Wow, that's um, a great nomination. I cannot wait to see it. Uh, I think that does it for that was fun yeah thank you so much um for joining me and and talking about rocky horror because it's one of those like i said yeah it's one of those movies that is so well known and i would have probably never watched it again if yeah. not for you and I, i'm very glad that i did there's so many like campy i mean you know t- for this to be called high camp and t- for us not to talk about all the side jokes and the oh, nipple yeah the nipple peeking and all that i feel like we went really deep with it but no it's um, good i'm glad because people uh, might that listen to this probably know know those things they know anyway, so yeah. Yeah. yeah um so uh is there anything that you want to plug anything coming out this this will probably come out uh in a month or so so yeah um uh every uh every month in la i host risk which is a storytelling show uh that you can come see you can go to riskshow.com to find out more about that um and uh yeah i tell stories a lot you can find me at the david crab yeah you're a very busy guy you have shows all the time um i try i try my best (laughs) (laughs) cool uh so thank you so much for listening to high camp uh you can follow this podcast on instagram and twitter at high camp pod and follow me at rucker bry on instagram and twitter as well um, please, yeah, uh, DM me if there's any specific movies that you'd like us to cover or any questions or comments you have. And if you like this podcast, please go to the Apple Store, rate us five stars, give us a review. It helps more people find the podcast. And uh, thank you guys. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.